Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond is the Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how's it going, bud? I'm doing very well, mate. I've noticed you managed to get my title right this time, as opposed to a few weeks ago when he didn't, but I'm doing very well. It's uh, it's coming up to summer now, according to the calendar over here, so the nights are getting a little bit uh, balmier. Uh, hopefully the films start to get a little bit better starting tonight hopefully but i'm doing all right how is uh things stateside you know uh it, it's since we always start with the weather it's getting to the point where um yep. since since school has gone back to normal i've been running in the afternoon on uh two of my days when i, I run on a saturday but then on the weekdays i'll like run at like three o'clock in the afternoon it's getting a little too hot for that now i was uh i almost was like I checked out a little early yesterday of the run because I was like, nope, it's it's way too hot. But, uh, <laughs> and we're not even into uh, the middle of March yet, so I still got some time for Florida to really well, you cook You guys know where he is over there. We sure do. And the beauty is, um, the because of what you said, that it's starting to stay sunnier later, though. So I will be able to just wait and run like closer to 7 o'clock instead of like 3 in the afternoon, which is but key. on that, though, on that cheeseburger cauliflower cheese bake ah we yes. said we we're going to talk about this off air and i've mm-hmm. just remembered it on air so please tell everyone uh, about this yeah, I, mean, I am uh constantly trying to find one like variety of food because when you are cooking at home it, you end up kind of in a rut sometimes especially if it's like you know you work until a certain time you get home and you only have a two-hour window to cook so you're just making what you know but um uh, I'm trying to trim bread off again because I, I still have this 20 pounds that I've been like, basically um, I hit 240 right before COVID uh, struck last year and I've maintained the weight, but mm-hmm. I haven't lost any. And so I really want to get to 220. That's my like goal weight. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of pushing now. So I'm not doing keto per se, but I am trying to cut carbs and, uh, and um, so instead of having cheeseburgers for dinner, I made this uh, what I'm calling the Burke burger casserole. And, um, this is unreal. It, it's you know, cauliflower, ground beef, and then a uh, lot of cheese um, and green beans, which was a, a recipe. I kind of took a recipe I found online and then added the cauliflower because I I like the cauliflower. It, it feels like I'm eating bread to me. Um, it, yes. like, it fills me up in a similar way. And so uh, I added the cauliflower. And then um, you mix up some eggs, ketchup, mustard, and mayonnaise. So you get like a burger flavor going on. You pour that over and then that thickens up and kind of gives you like a bread texture uh, and uh, super low carb, but it, all, all the carbs that are in there are all healthy carbs because oh, um, they're, they're vegetable carbs. And uh, yeah, it was real good. Everyone in, enjoyed it. Um, I did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, there's pictures it, that exist. It was uh, 2 a.m. Give or take UK time. What I was doing up, I'm not, I was in bed and I was, I, was thinking, I think I was just doom scrolling through social media or something. I just finished watching a film. That's what I did. So I was a bit late and I went to bed uh, and I saw a John Burke photo pop up, and I thought, "Oh, blimey, Burke after midnight!" And it was this, and he'd mentioned that he'd made this, and it was the best looking thing I've seen in a long time. Yeah, and um, you know, uh, to be fair, it's not midnight here when I'm texting. It was like seven o'clock no. here when I'm I'm texting him. But it would have been more nine o'clock your time. 
Well, it was seven when I was texting. So I think you said it was midnight when when we were texting. But you know, exaggeration, hyperbole. It happens. You know, it's okay. You might um, be right. It was late I'm for me. Hundred percent right because I don't eat after eight o'clock. So it's <laughs> um, but you know, it's okay. It's all right because we're not here to review food this week. No, no. <laughs> but it is important to note that Matt cares a lot about what I'm eating, and thus we decided to watch the film I Care a Lot uh, from 2020. Directed by Jay Blakeson. Um, that is his license name. It's just he dropped the whatever his full name is. His name is actually. Yeah. Uh, written by Jay Blakeson. Starring Rosamund Pike, Peter Dinklage, Isa Gonzalez, um, Diane Wiest, Chris Messina, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., and a favorite of mine and my other podcast partner, Corey Macon Blair. Um, the synopsis if you haven't heard about this movie, I care a lot. Uh, I don't feel like this is a spoiler, but just in case I'm about to read the synopsis. So if you want to watch the movie first, pause, go watch it on Netflix and then come back. Um, But a crooked legal guardian who drains the savings of her elderly wards meets her match when a woman she tries to swindle turns out to be more than she first appears. Uh, This movie has an 80 Rotten Tomato, 865 Metascore, 6.2 IMDb user score, um, and is on Netflix. This is a Netflix release. Uh, I do not believe it's getting any kind of theatrical run. Um, it's on Prime over here. Really? Yeah. It's classed okay. as an Amazon original over here. That is. That means they must have bought the uh, the worldwide really distribution. Odd. Netflix yeah. got the US distribution. That's I, funny. I wondered that because when I saw this on Google earlier on, it said uh, Netflix is I care a lot. And I thought that must be a mistake. They, they've obviously, it's just a typo. But now you said that. It's really strange, and that Netflix. I have. I don't know many films that have had that kind of split distribution. Not not between streaming. the two different uh, streaming services. Yeah, I, I've not. I don't know of one. I'm sure it's possible. It's happened, but uh, yeah. that is interesting because um, that has happened in the past with uh, worldwide and like U.S. theatrical releases, where like yeah, the, annihilation, like, for example. Yes, similar. which uh, the problems we had with annihilation on this side. Um, but um, <laughs> so. Uh, I try not to usually uh, hear a review prior to watching a movie, but I, I did hear David Chen from Slash Films uh, kind of take on this. And so I kind of went in with not a negative attitude towards the movie, but like, I don't know that this movie is going to mesh with my state of mind right now. Um, and uh, I, I, I do like this film. Um, it, it, the cast is, is crazy good. And I think Isa Gonzalez needs, uh, cause she was the best part of bloodshot last year. Um, <laughs> well, yes, uh, easy. Right. And, and I'm not even a Vin Diesel hater, but like in that movie, she was the highlight for sure. Yeah. Um, she's really good in baby driver. And then I think she's really good in this, although she's often underserved. She's always kind of like a, a tertiary or lower character. Mm-hmm. Um, quick, pause and i'm gonna deviate for just a second here but here we go isaac gonzalez if you take baby driver and you flip the john ham and isaac gonzalez characters in other words what happens to isa instead happens to john's character and then she takes a, that role for the rest of the film i think is a much more interesting uh finale to that movie not i love john ham in that movie i think john ham is fantastic but, but i think but I think that her character kind of showed this vindictive side earlier mm-hmm. that I think could have been really played cool and would have kind of canceled out one thing that as much as I love Edgar Wright, he is not good at female characters and baby driver is the epitome of his failure to write a female character. And right. I think that would have been an opportunity to really flip that uh, for a moment, 
again, kind of maybe furthering the point that he's not good at thinking of the female character because he totally never gives out the... Op- We've it's- got Anya is leading his next film, which we seen last night. So yeah. I believe Anya Taylor was leading that, which you could at the minute you couldn't get a, well, excuse the term, but a hotter actress in Hollywood at the minute. <clears throat> for sure, after her uh, double nominations for Emma and uh, the chess movie. The New Mutants. Movie. Oh, no, Queen's Gambit. Oh, yes, New Mutants. That was <laughs> the, Everyone was <laughs> raving about her. Yeah, no. man. But not not to deviate from I care a lot, but I just wanted to give Isa a shout out. She's not again pr- super prominent here. Rosamund Pike is doing what she does really well, playing this kind of stone face, uh, scary yet somehow charming character. Um, I, I find her still like you're like oh okay, and um, Peter Dinklage uh, when he shows up is is on point. He's he's just got this menace about him in this movie that I thought was really impressive. Um, I tend to like Diane Weist. Uh, I, I, for a long time, called her West. Um, but, uh, I definitely um, really, really enjoy her. And let's, man, Chris Messina. He keeps popping up and stuff, and he's always just phenomenal when he's on screen, boy. He has so much presence. And uh, and I love Macon Blair. Uh, Macon Blair is also a director, but he's a Jeremy Saulnier regular. Um, he's been at Murder Party, Green Room. Um, he's the star of Blue Ruin. I, I love him. Small part here, but I think vital. And he, he nails it, I think. Uh, so as far as like cast, great. Um, this movie is endlessly frustrating. Uh, I was <laughs> so angry. I was, I was disgusted at points. I actually messaged uh, two of my friends that are my like political advisors and co- uh, comrades as teachers. Um, and uh, I was just like, if you feel like getting angry at capitalism, get ready. Cause there's a movie for you. <laughs> With a capital C. Um, right. This is a movie where it's just like the American dream distorted and, and bastardized to this horrific, uh, rich take, yep. you know, abuse the, the, the weak and the powerless and the systems that are in place to allow that to happen. I don't know how accurate or truthful any of it is, but a lot of this movie kind of reminded me of something that Steven Soderbergh would do. Um, I actually haven't gone to look in to see if he is a, even like a producer on this. Cause it totally feels like it's up his alley. So his name on there. Um, but I mean, if you, I don't know if you saw, uh, the laundry, was it the laundromat from last year with Soderbergh? I didn't see that. Um, uh, but that, that movie definitely kind of feels a uh, spiritual, you know, uh, sequel almost in a way. Um, I think the difference, this movie feels a little crueler than Soderbergh. I feel like Soderbergh is good at, at finding a, an entry point where you, you are, you are rooting for someone. I don't think there's a character in this movie you can truly root for. And that makes it hard to connect with. And so while I, I like the movie and I think there's some humor in it, uh, dark humor for sure. Um, it is endlessly frustrating. If I were to fact check this and find out that the, the systems that they're showing are in place, I would be one, even more angry and two (laughs) terrified, uh, because, just the and I know that there is some truth to this, but I just don't know what what level of uh of truth there is. Like I, I have to hope that it can't be as hard to get to navigate as this movie makes it feel, but it probably is. Um, and so that's it's hard. I think it is hard to really get into this movie without getting into spoilers. But we don't spoil the movies here because we're reviewing new things. So don't fear not, listener. But um, I would say a pretty good movie. Some really good performances. Very, very tough to recommend um, because it is it is so horrifying and so just ah you want to scream and you want to yell at people and 
Um, I don't, I don't think there's a hero here. I think this is just like the villains playing other villains uh, in, in a game of, of cruelty that you witness suffering at a level that you just can't fathom um, without it being like, it's not torture movie. Like, it's not like that type. No, of no, 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 no. Yeah. It's all, it's almost gaslighting. I mean, to a degree, and there is some gaslighting for sure, where people are uh, made to, maybe question i guess they don't question themselves but other people are definitely making them like you're they're, you're put, they're putting the seeds in aren't they yeah so that's how i felt uh watching it and uh, again david chen kind of set that standard although he i don't feel like he liked it at all where i'm i'm not saying it's not good and, mm-hmm. but it is definitely infuriating and it's, i am stealing his phrasing I, he said he couldn't recommend it and i it's, it's very hard to say i would recommend anybody watch this unless you just heard all of that and you feel comfortable going into a movie that's going to be pretty, uh, pretty hopeless. I would say in a lot of ways, there's not like yes. a, an exit where you're like, Oh, well it all works out in the end. It's like, mm, no, no, I don't think so. But what, yeah. what were you thoughts, uh, yeah, uh, I care a lot. I, I didn't really care a lot about this film, dude. I, I liked, I thought it started off. Well, I like, again, I don't I like everything you've just said. The, the premise of this is cruel. And evil, it's 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 a satirical look. You got to, and it is satirical. Obviously, that's the whole point of it. Look at capitalism, as I said, with a big old capital C, centered around the old and the vulnerable. So I'm hard pressed to say that the premise of this is great, but the premise is something which you can watch and think, okay, this could be interesting. We could we could eke out some decent story here. I think it starts promisingly, but for me, it peters out. It got a little bit silly, and it was a mess. I think tonally i do tonally think it was a bit all over the place i t- i thought it was about 15 minutes too long i balked at the running time uh not because i don't want to watch a two-hour film but when i was about an hour or so into this hour and 20 minutes and i realized i've still got another 40 minutes left i thought oh where are we going with this i didn't find it overly funny um and that's what's that, that's what got me because i didn't I go into the film knowing an awful lot i went into film fairly fairly blank other than knowing that rosamund pike was uh, getting some good buzz for her performance, which shouldn't come as a surprise to many. But uh, so I knew who was in the film and I knew Rosamund Pike was apparently very good in it. But that's all I knew about. Uh, I liked the performances for the most part. I thought Rosamund Pike was very strong. I thought Isaac Gonzalez is very good. I think she gets overlooked a bit, Isaac Gonzalez. And I think she gets overlooked because she is an attractive woman. I do think that as well. I think people just look part that can't look past that and realize that she's actually a very good actress too. And I wish people would. Peter Dinklage, I like him in this. He uh, he, he pulls off a strange accent well, and he has got he manages to pull off that f- factor of like intimidation as well. He's he he's fairly chilling at times, which which worked. But it was the main character of Marla, which uh, which is Rosamund Pike, which got to me because I wasn't entirely sure what she was supposed to be. Was she supposed to be this femme fatale with a vape? Was she supposed to be as kick-ass female who just doesn't give a did give a damn? Was she meant to be cruel or calculating? Which bit was she meant to be in, or was she meant to be all of them? So I felt a bit confused by what camp she was supposed to be in. And like you said, none, nobody here is not. There's no one here you can side with. Everybody in this film is awful. It's just who is kind of the least awful of these. Uh, characters and you kind of think well by the end surely surely there'll be a, a happy ending and we'll, and we'll see the light but obviously you guys are gonna go and see the film for that but i didn't it wasn't i liked peter dinklage's pastries i thought that donut looked great 
Yeah. But that aside, um, though. The macaroon, too. They oh, the macaroons. Oh, man. That aside, some, I like the performances. I, I feel it felt a bit empty for me. It had yeah. good promise, but I don't think that it followed up on it as well as it could do. So, and now I think that that 80% on RT, I was surprised. Uh, I tried to conceal my surprise when he mentioned it, but 80% is quite high. I can see that. I can, I can see eight out of 10 people thinking this film was all right, but to openly recommend it is, um, it's very strange. Well, that's, I think the meta score is a better indicator of, <laughs> of where people are falling with that. And that it is a very low, it's like a D, right? Like it's a yeah. passing grade, but it's mm-hmm. not, it's Again, not a bad I, I don't, film. I just found, right. found it hollow. I don't think there's anything specifically wrong with it. I find the the subject matter definitely interesting and compelling in and of itself. And again, you have these really great actors in this movie who are just going to, they're going to force you to at least appreciate what they're doing, even if it's not much. And I, I do agree. I think hollow is a good word. Um, I think S- Soderbergh would have done it, but I have become a big Soderbergh fan over the years. Yes, and I, I know his, I probably mispronounced his name and I say it different ways. Cause I've heard it different ways. I don't know what the correct <laughs> version is, but um Steven Soderbergh, Soderbergh, whatever. I go Soderbergh. Um, I I think the vape bringing bringing up her vaping is I think important because I do think it gives a, a maybe an age to the director, and I don't know this to be a fact. I've not I didn't look before saying that statement, but it has this vaping has a hipster vibe, right? Like more so than uh, like if it were cigarettes because that cigarettes are more traditional filmmakers have always made characters smoke because it's a, it's a really dynamic looking thing on screen. Like it always looks cool on screen. So vaping, vaping is not really picked up that way. You would have thought it would have, but I honestly, I can't think of that many movies featuring someone vaping. Um, uh, not off the top of my head. Not certainly, certainly not a lead character. And, and it's so prominent in this movie like at the first time she vaped i'm like wait is she vaping but then it became like where she like had it on the table and it was just like around and it, it was part a- of her aesthetic as the film went on it's like you said it's a great yeah. scene with with christmas christmas scene it's a great scene between the two of them and and the vape the vaping aspect of it comes into that and it becomes part of her like her vibe um, yeah but i and don't I- know of any other vapey I- scenes i don't know that it works i don't know that i buy her as like vaping um, like I get Strange it. Strange choice. Yeah. It just, it doesn't like, I almost would have preferred her. Maybe she had smoked and quit and slowly throughout the course of the film, she goes back to cigarettes because her anxiety is raising, which is kind of how the vape plays. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't think of people as quitting vape. I know that they, I, we, we, vape has been around long enough where people have quit vaping and gone back to vaping. I understand yeah. that. It just doesn't feel like it's been established in a cinematic language yet. Now that doesn't mean it can't become that. It just didn't, it felt like this particular character wouldn't mm-hmm. have gone that direction. Well, I Even still if- find it odd when people say things like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram in films. I still, honestly, that sometimes takes me out. So yeah. this kind of new age smoking, it felt strange seeing it on screen, but like I say, maybe it's just because we haven't been uh, subjected to it, but also the idea of her vaping and then giving up this character doesn't seem like the kind of person to do that. In fact, she openly comes across as somebody who just isn't bothered by her own fate per se. Yeah. Uh, again, no spoilers there, but um, that that is her kind of attitude, which also I found problematic as well because that was the character's um, attitude. It's like, well, what have I got to cling on to? The literally the last hope I've got to cling on to is gone. The only the, the Peter Dinklage had those donuts, and I was more concerned for him and his pastries 
simply because he had pastries. That is the level I got out of this at times. I will admit, in movies when food is brought and characters don't eat it or like only take a bite and then toss it, upsets me many, he many times. That. And yeah, dude, when he dropped the donut, I'm like, no, there was no reason to drop that donut. No. Like that, he had one bite, and then he threw it, and it looked good. It had, it had, it was a chocolate uh, donut, like yeah. slog, whatever you want to call it, with cream inside it, really nicely iced, and threw it. Yeah. It looked, it looked real good. Um, it's for someone who loves donuts but actively does not eat them. It hurts me to see someone take a bite of one and toss it. <laughs> exactly. But if somebody who loves donuts, it takes, <laughs> but can eat them and shouldn't. It made me feel sad seeing it on the floor when I thought well, I could have had that. Yeah. Two second rule, whatever it is. Yeah. So, listeners, it sounds like both Matt and I are uh, not recommending I Care A Lot, but slightly different reasons. Um, but mostly it seems like we agree. Uh, it It's not a bad movie. It's just not a good one. Um, it's no, somewhere in the I think you're more up on it than I am. I just think a little. I, I, gen- I by, by an hour, by three quarters of the way through, I was getting bored. I was thinking, where are we going? And like I said, it started to the way it, the way it started to go. I was like, this isn't really this isn't what I expect where I expected the film to go. And it it felt like the director. Yeah. I don't say I don't want to say ran out of steam or ran out of ideas at that because that's disingenuous. But it just kind of it, it felt a bit random to me. The, the third act felt there's some wild stuff that happens yes. in the third act, and I I will I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm definitely more up on. I think the premise and then the performances are the things that I really like clung to. And by the premise, I just mean like that people could do this and take yeah. away your ability to comfort yourself. Yeah. Um, is, is a scary, scary concept. And I mean, um, I did watch a couple weeks ago. I, I uh, said that I watched the Britney Spears, um, mm-hmm. New York times piece and that she is under a, basically a guardianship of, I, there's another cons- conservative ship, something like that, where like her father controls every detail of her life, basically. And uh, that's that was insane to me to find that out. So this movie kind of it's a different term, but I think it's a very similar circumstance. And it, it's scary to, to think of that you could end up uh, out of control of your own life. And especially that it could just be some random person who has their own agenda, their own interest in your uh, personality, but or uh, in your personal life sorry but, and that, that's that was the interesting part of the premise like you like you i thought that they could have had they gone more into that rather than more to the wild side yeah it is is like distressing and horrifying as that idea is and it is they really play they don't put any punches they make they, they know what they do they know that marla the lead character that she they they play her as this cold calculating Mm-hmm. You know, she knows exactly what she's doing, and she'll play the uh, she'll play the the serious part in court. You know, to you know, to come across as this caring philanthropist, whereas uh, behind the scenes, she's smirking at whilst selling the houses behind their back. And it's, so she knows what she is, but they don't. They really do kind of go in on the the emotions that the vulnerable are feeling in this. So the people who are being but it's a form of abuse. You oh, really yeah. find out we, that's the most affecting part of the film because I didn't get anything else from the performances. The performances are great, but they didn't emanate enough for me to cling onto them, which, and I get the whole point is they're meant to be, they're meant to be awful people, but I felt, I just felt more for the affected in this film. For sure. Agreed. Yeah, completely. Well, folks, that's our review of I care a lot, which is in the States on Netflix and apparently in the UK and probably everywhere else on Amazon prime. Yep. Um, so watch it where you can, um, or don't in fact, 
because yeah, <laughs> we're not saying it's necessary viewing. But uh, yes, let's move to our next segment, Chopped Headlines. Um, this is where uh, we grab a, a headline that, well, we actually, we pick a headline that grabbed our attention <laughs> and we uh, we discuss it here. This could be anything from movie to pop culture news. Uh, Matt, what what do you, well, you've got a big one this week, so let's let's jump into yours. Okay, well, sometimes the headline picks us, John. Uh, last week we spoke about, or the week before we spoke about the Golden Globe nominations, and we gave our thoughts about that. Uh, and in the last few evenings, the Golden Globes have come and gone, and we now know who has taken away those golden statuettes or the golden gobes, as the presenter said, which was hilarious. Uh, the pre-show presenter, and uh, there were a few surprises. In the Golden Globe wins, there wasn't a huge amount, but there were a few. For example, Andre Day won for Best Actress for the United States versus Billie Holiday, which kind of backed up what I said in the Judas and the Black Messiah uh, episode we did, where I've heard nothing particularly great about that film, other than uh, the performance. When And in the Judas film, I said that a lot of times biopics are not the best films, but they are held up by a fantastic lead performance. So it sounds like Andra Day is the linchpin of that film when there's nothing else going on behind it. So I haven't seen it, but it is on Sky Cinema over here, so I can watch it whenever I want. But in terms of the big ones, Nomadland, that took away the best drama. Borat won for best musical or comedy, which is surprising because it's not very good. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, he took away the uh, best actor uh, for a motion picture drama award. Uh, Rosamund Pike, I care a lot. She was she's won a Golden Globe for the musical or comedy Best Actress. Uh, Sasha yeah. Baron Cohen won for Borat. Jodie Foster won for the the Mauritanian. Again, that's a bit of a surprise to a lot of people uh, in a category of Glenn Close, Olivia Coleman, Amanda Siegfried, and Helena Zengel. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya, Judas and the Black Messiah, Best Supporting Role, he was down for, which may push us towards the Oscar. Chloe Zhao won for Nomadland Best Director. Uh, who else is going to win for best screenplay other than Aaron Sorkin when he's involved? Soul, Soul won best animated. Now I wanted to get your thoughts on that as well because you are uh, you were pushing like a lot of people for Wolf Walkers just in general. I know how much you love that film. Uh, Minari won best foreign film and Soul won best original score. Now I don't know how much any of that is going to have for the Oscars, and there are some great perform. There are some great victories by the way in the television. Like Boy- John Boyega won. A Golden Globe, which I was great to see, representing oh, yeah. Britain. But um, I don't know how much sway these are going to have on the Oscar voting. If these, if this was the Oscars, I would be extremely surprised by some of these. But some of them, though, not overly, not overly surprised about. Man, I think the Nomadland stuff is the the likely what we'll see with the Oscars, right? I think like, so. Um, but uh, I, think, I, I think Frozen with them would win for Best Actress. I think potentially, or very yeah, potentially. Um, I, I really like Soul, uh, but I do think Wolf Walkers is just more unique in a lot of ways. The look of it, the uh, the the music in it's really good, although it's not original music. Not obviously Soul is about music, so mm-hmm. um, and I, I am a big fan of uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross's uh, scores in general. Um, I tend to like what they're doing, um, so I'm not upset with them winning, and I'm not upset with Soul winning because I, I love Pixar. I, I'm a Pixar fanboy. Um, soul is great. I thought we, our review of soul was both very, very positive. Wolfwalker is just, man, it hit so many notes for me. And, uh, I was, I didn't even realize until today. Cause my, uh, we finished sing street, um, today in my uh, yes. film one class. And, um, the mother, uh, character is the voice of, I, I'm assuming she's the mother character in Wolfwalkers, which I didn't put together. Um, when I watched Wolfwalkers until today, I was like, Oh, I didn't realize she was in that. So, uh, 
I like I like those little connections and stuff. Um, but uh, I you know I'm not upset with really anything. Rosamund Pike winning again. I like Pike. I think she's really good. I don't know that she's the best performance in that that category necessarily. Um, though I don't I don't actually remember who she was up against for the she was uh, up against uh, Maria Bakalova for Borat, who's getting a lot of hype. Yeah. Uh, Kate Hudson music, Michelle Pfeiffer for French Exit, and Anya Taylor Joy for Emma. So this is obviously the musical comedy um, uh, section. Yeah, Anya Taylor Joy is very good in Emma, but I think that I've only seen three of those films, and she's probably the best out of the three. Right, uh, same. I haven't seen. I don't even know what music is. Um, and is I that not... the Sia film, isn't it? Is oh, is that it? I, I think no it idea. is that one that's getting a lot of <laughs> a lot of crap. Yeah, I, I don't know. It is Sia, though. Um, Leslie Odom Jr. is in it, too. But, um, yeah, I know nothing about it. Uh, Borat, I did not watch still. Um, I just haven't felt compelled to mm. go to it. And uh, different, like, Big Tuna is a big fan of it, and then you are not. Wow. Uh, Contrarian. Um, well, but it's but it, it does seem to be very hit or miss. I've heard other, I think the Slash Film guys were really big on Borat. Um I don't know. I, I just, to me, the novelty of it just kind of fell off after the first one. Yeah, like, I, I didn't watch Bruno or uh, The Dictator, and uh, I don't know. Um, but I, I liked Anya Taylor-Joy and Emma a lot, so I, I actually yeah. would have preferred her winning over uh, Rosamund. Again, I like Rosamund Pike. I just, I don't know that even calling this a comedy feels a little, a little far-stretched black comedy but it's it is i didn't find it to be much levity in the film though even even when they tried to i didn't think there was yeah like because i guess there's like a swagger about her character at times when normal people would have been like destroyed or shattered or whatever but i didn't take that as like funny i guess it was like uh, and i guess obviously comedy doesn't necessarily mean laughing right like it just means this belly laughing yeah the attitude the air towards it so Mm -hmm. i don't know um it's what it is uh I man, even for a, like, I like Sasha Baron Conan, but I would have gone. Um, I, I I think Palm Springs is an underrated gem, so it would be cool if Andy Samberg would have won. Um, but Dev Patel uh, is really, really good in the personal history of David Copperfield. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, I, I I don't put a lot of stakes in the Globes. I mean, they they nominated Jared Leto for a little thing, so right away credibility is in question um, because you know not not a worthy performance for that so no um, they pushed out we mentioned poor racy there are other people they could have put in there but that was one of the ones but it's good i'm glad to see it's nice to see chadwick boseman being uh i someone say honored because i think he was very good in yeah. that film i've seen a few people pull in the pull in the posthumous award but because yeah he, because of that but i don't believe i mean but uh, really again, i haven't seen the mauritanian or how i think that's how you say it the mauritanian so i haven't seen tahar rahim but I've seen Gary Oldman, Anthony Hopkins, Riz Ahmed, and Chadwick Boseman, and it's hard to separate the four of them. Certainly, three of the four of them are fabulous. I would, I, I've seen, I think, all of that, and I mean, in my review for the Father, I do say I, I see Hopkins getting it, not necessarily because it's my favorite performance, but I think the performance is outstanding, and knowing his like history, I just feel like the Oscars are going to go that way. I, I think Riz Ahmed's performance is yeah. outstanding. So that's where I would have gone. Um, but I do think Bozeman is really, really good in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And so I, and I also, I, as much as I like Viola Davis anyways, like normally, 
I thought his performance outshined her in that movie, and I think she's doing a lot in that movie. So it's not she's a criticism. Oh, it's she'll just get like, nominated as well. Yeah, it's just like the big ones. Yeah, his was just so good. So I, I don't have an issue with it. It's you can never separate the post mortem thing, um, whatever. Um, because, I know what you mean because he is dead now. So like you'll always have that argument. It's the same thing. We'll never really know what, did, what Heath Ledger have won for Joker had he not died. Especially because the the death was so closely associated with the role, right? Like for years, the speculation was he went crazy because of the role, which I think has been dissolved now with the documentary. Um, yeah, yeah. And, I don't think stuff, there's but, much to it. So, but at the time, uh, that was it was the myth, right? Everyone was it like, makes oh, for a great story, right? And so there was no way you could separate those two things. Where here, I mean, yes, Bozeman's death is tragic. But it wasn't. It was tragic because people get sick and die, and it, it feels unjust when someone gets sick and dies, especially when they have so much suddenly going for them, right? Like Black Panther was like he burst onto the the scene, even though he'd been acting, but that was like all of a sudden he was like everywhere. He was this iconic part for so many people that his death felt like we've been robbed of something, right? So there's that that connection to it, and I think that you know makes it. Um, easier to kind of conflate the his winning as a result of the death rather than the deserved performance um that i yeah, think man. he gave of course yeah. then there was also the whole racism thing of the globes that ties into that too Jesus. Yeah. they are man they, they, they pretty much everybody had a had a go on that uh from from tina fey and amy polo who are very good as hosts i, I like those two I think they're very good, but everybody seemed to have a pop of that. And that, to be fair, the uh, the actual ceremony itself was hit by so many problems. Like half of the people were muted when they were giving their speeches. The music was playing over people. Oh, it was man. just a really shoddily done thing. And uh, uh, last year, the Oscars got it right. I really actually enjoyed the Oscars last year. I think they really nailed their um, presentation. And I hope that they do it again this year. It's going to be a virtual Oscars. We're not going to have anyone there, as far as I'm aware, unless... Unless they overstate side, they pull a fast one and put 10,000 people in the room. But um, I'm looking forward to staying up late this year for the Oscars. But yeah, there were no real surprises at the Globes. I do now want to watch the United States versus Billie Holiday because uh, Andrew Day has won over Violet Davis. She's beaten out Vanessa Kirby, Frances McDormand, who I think is almost nailed on to win her third Oscar, and Kerry Mulligan. Promising Young Woman won nothing. Mank won nothing as well. And these certainly Mank is is up there to be get, to get a lot of Oscar love where they get the wins is up there to get with love. Those two fell again is the Globes. Let's not get too carried away. But they didn't get anything. Borat won twice alongside Nomadland. So I mean, that you got to assume the Borat stuff is only because they they have the comedy music category, right? Like, and there no, was not, so. the big musical that we should have got last year in the Heights got pushed back a year, you know, because otherwise I think that that sweeps everything. Yeah, yeah of course, yeah. But then um, we get West Side Story this year as well, right at the end, apparently. So, yeah, it was, and that was supposed to be last year. Last year as well. So um, they're going to be fighting out. That movie, man, there's so much pressure on Spielberg for, for West Side Story. But let's, we need to get to my headline, um, just so we don't, we don't do spend it. extra time. But this one's much more slight. Uh, I don't know about you, my friend. I know you're not much of a gamer, so I doubt you've dabbled in the Borderlands franchise. I have not. Uh, but um, a few years back, uh, I bought a PS3 very late into the PS mm-hmm. system. Like I, I was just before they announced PS4, I bought a PS3. And one of the first, uh, it, it got me back into gaming because of Borderlands 1 and 2. I My uh, editor and apparently frequent collaborator when it comes to gaming is uh, David. 
Um, and we played Borderlands one uh, together online, and then Borderlands two together. And I'm a I, we were really really into those games. Um, I we we try to do the same with the Handsome Jack uh, um, collection and the uh, Borderlands pre sequel prequel. I, it was both a prequel and a sequel uh, game um, that was like in the in, it was the sequel to one and a prequel to two, if I remember correctly. Oh um, man, okay, and. Uh, I don't know if you know this. They're, they're making a movie. What a shock, right? Like, uh, that's, yeah, of course. Any yeah. IP gets a film now. Yep. Um, and it's it's I, as a fan of the franchise, am a little nervous because it's uh, they tapped Eli Roth to direct, and I've not been a fan of Eli Roth um, a, no. as a director. Um, of course, yeah. And uh, yet, and also, I'm not sure I like the casting, and yet I like the casting. Um, the casting, I don't know if you've heard any of the casting for this, uh, but I haven't, no, I've just, I've had a little Google about who the person in you've mentioned is. So yeah, I had to do that too. But, um, cause I, I also was not familiar with that actress by name, but, uh, so the, before the headline that I have today, mm-hmm. uh, cast for Borderlands, the movie directed by Eli Roth has been Kate Blanchett, Kevin Hart, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Jack Black. So we've got two Jumanji alumni, uh, both notoriously comedic. Now this game has a comedic tone, uh, for sure. Like there is a, it's but it's a first person shooter uh, with like fantasy. Mad Max is the best way to kind of describe the overall vibe of this game, and and sci fi because they are like space travelers, right? Like they're they're on other planets, um, and um, but there's magic, and then there's guns. There's so many guns. It, it is. It, the, the concept of the game is insane anyways, right? Like, and it has this really cool art style that I like a lot. I don't know what it's called, but it's, it has a very distinctive look to it where mm-hmm. it's 3d, but it still looks 2d and like the shading is weird. Um, but one of the standout characters was an NPC character named tiny Tina. And, uh, you have to do a lot of quests for her in the, in the, I think she's in, I think she's in all three games, including the pre-sequel. So four, there's four games now. Sorry. Uh, there's one, two, three, and then the middle game from one and two. Um, and she was easily one of the, like when they announced this movie, I'm like, Oh man, I wonder who they're going to get to be tiny Tina. And like, so I've been waiting for the casting announcement. And so the headline popped up tiny Here Tina cast and Avengers infinity war star. I'm like, who, who? Cause <laughs> uh, in, in the third game, tiny Tina's older, but she's like a, teenager in the in the first uh, her first appearances but they've cast the actress uh, who plays young gamora in infinity war um whose name is uh boy uh, ariana greenblatt um okay so i didn't know her by name uh i thought you know young gamora cool you know she she's not bad in infinity war and she you know i wouldn't Thanos. recognize her without the green makeup no, nope, definitely. And I didn't. I'm like looking. I'm like, yep. I don't know who that is. And then I'm like, oh, she she was young Gamora. Okay, good. Because I'm also like, I'm like the only young kid I know in Infinity War. I was like, and she's not in Infinity War. Will be in uh, Endgame is Stark's kid. kid at the end. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, the kid I don't at the know. end. Stark's yeah. kid. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, you know, I don't know uh, who mm-hmm. this is. Uh, but yeah, so cool. I'm not as pumped as I was at Kate Blanchett's cast in this because I'm also assuming she's playing the Siren character. Um, I've heard Kevin Hart is playing this like muscular soldier character, and I just can't figure out how. Um, no idea who Jack Black is playing. I don't know what this movie's going to look like. If they're going to try to make it look like Borderlands, or if they're going to try to make it look like live action story is Borderlands. Like I, I, I don't know. I am, I am hopeful. But let's let's 
look at the track record. Video game movies, usually yeah. not good. Eli Roth movies, in my opinion, not been very good. Mm. Um, especially when he's dabbled away from like the the horror oh, yeah. violence. Um, like, I don't know if you saw A House with a Clock in the Walls. I did. I didn't like it. Yeah, me either. And again, though, I want to point out, apparently Jack Black and Kate Blanchett must have enjoyed working with Eli Roth because here they yeah. come back again. I hadn't uh, thought about that connection because we covered so, that for the BAMP when it came out. Yeah. So, I mean, in a way... That's, that does speak well about him because I've i listened to him do interviews and stuff and I don't dislike him. Like no, He doesn't no, no. come off as like, um, what's a... Uh, uh, Snyder-esque? Oh, well, yeah, Snyder too, but uh, Max, Max, uh, Landis, Max Landis, Landis. Max Landis, yeah. Like, Max Landis comes off as like a pretentious douchebag. Yes. Um, Roth doesn't come off that way every time. Uh, there's been at least one or two like encounters where I'm like... Oh, everyone has to. Everyone sure. gets one, don't they? Right, That's for sure. Says. Um, but overall, I'm still ex- I'm excited. I want this to be good. I feel like this is a property that the fans really, really love, and they've put a lot of care into the games, and like um, they really go all in on like it's one of the few games where the DLCs feel like they're worth investing in because you're going to get like quality story added to it. And that's not true of all other games. Like a lot of games, the DLCs are just cash grabs, right? So like I'm hopeful that they won't just make this to make this. Um, Especially because it is, we're four games into this before we're getting a movie, right? Like this was at its popularity, I would say, like maybe eight years ago, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a little longer, even. So, like to, that they waited this long, I think, is kind of promising. So, I'm I'm very, very, very hopeful that this turns out to be good, but unbelievably apprehensive. Well, that worries me when you say two things. You said worries me. I remember, I I, I know of Borderlands. I, I I've seen the the material for promotional material and i've seen some gameplay just online never played it before but when you say it hasn't really been in the zeitgeist per se for at least five years if not more that makes me think that's true i haven't really heard anything about this game or this ip for a while but then when you say it's it's very popular with the fans and it's got that kind of hardcore fan base who, who love it and they've got real passion for it that scares me because what kind of film are we going to get are we going to get a film which is only for them, or we're going to get a film which is trying to cater for the mass audience, but at the same time is also trying to cater for the fans. Therefore, we get a bit of a mess. And like you say, it's a video game movie, so uh, there, there's that. The casting is surprising because, like you say, on one you get on one hand you've got Kate Blanchett and Jamie Lee Curtis, and then you got Kevin Hart and Jack Black. And I'm just trying to sort of meshing those together. And look, some I mentioned Knives Out or Fair, something like Knives Out could get. C- c- can get an ensemble cast, which is maybe isn't, of different styles and different backgrounds, and make it work. So they could easily do that here. It's just very. I just can't wait to see Kevin Hart and D- Jamie Lee Curtis on screen yeah. together, or something like odd like that. Not that they can't do, it, but so having Young Gamora on. I mean, I only know as Young Gamora, so you know, great young actress getting more work from a after appearing in a massive, massive movie. That could only be a good thing. Like you mentioned, people who've worked with Eli Roth before, they they want to come back. And I, I don't know, I don't know Kate Blanchett personally, as you well know, but I, and I don't know if she's somebody who's picky about the roles she chooses or the director she chooses. But she's choosing to go, she's choosing to go back to Eli Roth in one of his films, as is Jack Black. So you know that that like you said, that can only be you know, that should only be a good thing. But hey, I, I I'm no more or less excited for hearing this. I'm just more open to the idea of it because I wasn't aware of it before. I knew there's a film, but I didn't know anything about it. But now I know more about who's in it and 
you know, what the potential for it is, I'm now set up for the crushing disappointment when it comes. Ah, well, I hope <laughs> it's good. I do want to point out, uh, Borderlands 3 did come out in 2019, so it hasn't been okay. like that long since the third game, but there was a big delay between three and, uh, the pre-sequels. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. Um, I like them. I, I do. If you can get like two or three, uh, at a discount, it's worth playing. It's a lot of fun multiplayer as far as multiplayer is like co-op, like it's still story. Um, but there's a lot of replay value and the, the guns in the game are insane. Like some of them do some crazy stuff and it's definitely got an air of comedy that just uh, makes Can it, it translate to the big screen. Do you think, can they make a good film at it? And that's the million dollar oh, question. Man. That's the thing that, where I, I don't know, man, like, cause the, the, the way the guns work, like, I just, I don't know. I don't know. It, a lot of it feels like, how do you go about it? Cause there is this element of, uh, silliness that comes with the game. Like where you, like, it takes game mechanics. Like one of the the things that can happen with the gun is the gun itself. Instead of reloading it, they just throw it and it blows up like a grenade. And then <laughs> they have another one, right? Like it's just this infinite. You every time you reload, you throw it. So can you have that in a movie where it makes sense? And maybe, maybe if you establish that's the the physics of the world, but it that doesn't that feels like the physics of a video game, yes. not the physics of any world. And so. I don't know that you could ever really pull that in in a way that people will be like, yeah, sure, why not? Um, so I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see. Good luck, Eli. With that, that's our, our headlines for the week. Let's move into what we've been consuming. This is media consumption, movies, TV, video games, music, podcasts, not ours, and anything else we use to pass the time between our episodes. Uh, Matt's going to start us off. What have you been watching, sir? Uh, as usual, it is top heavy in uh, film and uh let me have a look have i looked at any uh, i have been watching some older films so there's a couple which or at least one i know we've uh both watched so i'll leave that one till the end i went last night i went back and rewatched uh mike nichols closer the clive owen natalie portman jude law julia roberts film from what, 2004 i've been wanting to watch that i like the film it's a good film it, i think natalie portman and clive owen are outstanding in this film and it got me thinking that in between the prequels, you had Hayden Christensen killing it in Shattered Glass. Natalie Portman was taking roles like Closer. And in between it, they're doing Attack of the Clones and then Revenge of the Sith. It's like, it's really odd how you can go from showing you can act to to that. Um, but Closer, I enjoyed that. I went, I watched Ghost Stories. The, uh, I can't remember the guy who did it, which is really bad. Jeremy Dyson and the other dude who I really like, Andy Nyman, who did it. I say Andy Nyman, uh, they're kind of like kind of anthology horror f- uh, flick, which we both really enjoyed. Yep. I got the Blu-ray out of that and I whacked it on uh, a second time, second or third time round. Glad to say I still enjoyed it just as much, even though I knew what the, the big reveal was. But if you haven't seen Ghost Stories, check it out. I think a lot of people sat on that film. Yeah, it, it was on a streaming service. I think it was on Hulu at one point. If it is, because it's not, I don't think it's uh, UK. It's not. Hence why I just thought, well, let me just buy it and said, if it is available internationally, check it out because it's, it's oh, underrated. Yep. Yeah, it's underrated horror. Really, because there are really good, effective moments in that. Um, I watched The Devil's Own. I'm not sure if I mentioned this last week. The Harrison Ford and Brad Pitt film from like mid to late 90s. Brad Pitt is doing an Irish accent again, like pre-snatch. And Harrison Ford is a, he's a good old copper who has to take in this uh, IRA uh, leader into his home who somehow managed to get from Belfast to Chicago just because the story wanted him to. And that was fine. I watched Harrison Ford in Firewall, which is an early noughties thriller all about 
hacking and uh, and things like cyber hacking, and it felt a little bit dated because of that. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that one or not. No, but I am familiar with it because um, it's got. Is it Hartnett that says co star? Uh, no. I don't know. I watched. Uh, no, it's what's his name? The guy from One Division, Paul Bettany. Paul, Paul Bettany. I didn't realize he Paul, was in that. Paul Bettany's the, the villain. And it's okay. You know, it's fairly deserviceable de- enough. I quite enjoyed it. Nothing great, though. Um, v for Vendetta, another Natalie Portman film. Uh, I went back to rewatch that. I enjoyed that a lot. Tom and Jerry. Ah. Now, Tom and Jerry, there's two films I managed to get hold of um, by via sending lots of emails. One of them, I think, is because award season's coming up. The other one, because I think they're desperate for buzz. I'm not going to give Tom and Jerry buzz. Tom and Jerry was awful. Top, but I had a good time watching it. It's, oh. oh, but Oh, but, but two reasons. One, because I like Chloe Grace Moretz. But secondly, the only time I enjoyed the film was when Tom and Jerry were on screen doing Tom and Jerry shtick. That was fun. You know, I enjoyed that. That was fun. It was like being a kid again. And it was genuinely nice to see. But then as soon as they include the human aspect of it, it went downhill very fast. Very, very fast. There's subplots in it about a a wedding and that. And it's just rubbish. Honestly, it's a really bad film. I'm going to skip it because I've heard everything bad. But uh, Big Tuna, I think, again, he liked the romantic comedy elements oh. of it and didn't like the Tom and Jerry stuff. But it didn't need to be in there. I'm not going to spoil was, the film, but like you could take that out. Exactly. That's what he said, yeah. Chloe Grace Moretz, in, in a synopsis, she, she's uh, she's out of work and she needs to find a job, so she goes to work at a hotel uh, as an event, in the events team. She she finds a way to get herself in, shall we say. But that, that should have been the film. She's She's working in a hotel... Uh, and then Tom and Jerry run the mock and she's got to stop it. Don't then add this wedding in of which I couldn't care about the bride. I couldn't care any less about the bride and groom in this film. And if you watch the film, you know why they're not bad people. They're just, it's just nothing there, but Tom and Jerry, yeah, everybody's uh, even Michael Pena's over, over the top in this film. And everybody knows what kind of film they're in. It's not like anyone's gunning for gunning for seriousness here. They all know what kind of film and their performances reflect that. But it is like the epitome of pointless in terms of a film. Um, and the last one I saw, which I did see, I said to John at the 11th hour, and I'm glad I did because I know you've seen this and you've mentioned it, and it was The Father. I've managed to catch The Father, and I want to try and catch all of the major like, front runners for the Oscars before the nominations. Are, so and then if we do, a, as and when we do a BAMP nominations reaction or whatever, I've seen all the films. And I'd heard that Anthony Hopkins was very good in The Father and I actually heard that the film itself was great. And I thought The Father was fantastic. Yeah, I thought The Father was damn right devastating at times. Again, no spoilers, but there's one scene towards the final end at which absolutely just crushed my soul almost. Anthony Hopkins is fantastic. I think you're right. I think, uh, I think he's going to win the Oscar. I see the buzz now. I think he will win. And if he does win, I think he deserves to win. Yeah, But there are so many... The, the the best actor and best actress categories are so stacked now that if any of them win, uh, I, I haven't got a problem with that. I still need to watch Minari. So you're going to have to tell me all oh. about that. But Father, I thought was great. And I thought Anthony Hopkins was superb in that role. And Olivia Coleman is very good as well. Got to give her a shout as well, because yeah. I think Anthony Hopkins will get a lot of the talk about for this film. But um, you saw it as well, didn't you? I did. Her eye acting is insane to mm. me. Like she's able to give so much emotion with just like a look and 
you just know what she's feeling just by her eyes. And, uh, I man, like I, I, it's so crazy to me how unaware I was of her before the favorite. And then like, I was like, Oh, I've seen her in a lot of stuff. I just wasn't because she's always been like a character actress in the background or whatever, but man, did she, did she get to break away after the favorite? Like you just see the talent there. I've not watched the crown, but I hear she's really good in that as well. Um, but man, uh, this movie, like she does so much. And I, I love the structure of the father too. Like, I don't want to get into, I didn't know anything about it actually going into, it. I just heard, heard the buzz about Hopkins. I was like, yeah, cool. Um, I thought it was about like a priest or something like the father. Right. Or like, Genuinely. even just like a dad, you know, yeah. he's a dad. Okay, cool. You know, whatever. Um, it's funny that he's playing the father and then Robert De Niro's on his like fourth grandfather movie. Just, just <laughs> um, uh, but you know, um, yeah, uh, I was, I was really blown away with this film. Um, I don't think it would be in my top five for the year if we were to go back, because it is technically a 2020 film, I believe. Um, uh, yeah, I guess it gets 2021, but he's here. Oh, I yeah, know. yeah. But, you know, um, it's one of those, it's that hard date kind of Oscar push. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I still, I really liked it a lot. And I, I do think both of those lead performances are really strong. Also, um, I don't remember her name, but it has the actress that's in uh, um, Rushmore. The, the teacher from Rushmore yeah. is the... I can't remember her name, but I'm, she pops up in here and there. Yeah, I, well, I mainly know her from Rushmore, so I was excited yeah. to like, see her. I was like, oh, look at it. There yeah. she is. Uh, haven't seen her in a whole lot, but... Uh, there yeah. she is. Uh, and then the, the, the other two guys are also really good. I mean, there's only like five people in the whole movie, but I think they all do a good job. Um, but yeah, especially Coleman and, and Hopkins. Um, That's solid. Um, and then uh, the, the last thing you watched, I also watched... Yes, we always save this one for the last is for the last for the last of all. And it was uh, I mentioned Paul Bettany earlier on because I couldn't remember his name, but I knew he was in one division. And we watched that the penultimate episode of season one of One Division is upon us again. We're not going to spoil any of it, so if you haven't seen any of the series, we won't spoil it. But episode eight was uh, a lot of people are touting this and saying this is one of the best episodes they've seen, if not the best. And I've seen a lot of people say they didn't like it. Uh, part of me thinks it's because it wasn't as whiz bang and action filled as some of the other ones. Um, I fall on the in the former. I thought it was as great this episode. I really did. I thought the messages they put across, the dealing with consequence and things like that and loss and grief, is something which the MCU is, that's been levelled at that an awful lot. And I know they've dealt with that in other films, like after the Battle of New York, they went back and you know in Civil War, I think it was, or one of the films. Sorry, excuse my ignorance, and kind of went back and sort of spoke about it, how how they were going to rebuild and you know the avengers were at fault for this i like when they people do that there is that collateral damage comes at a cost there is something there and they really go high on this one and elizabeth olsen is great and it sets up the finale tantalizingly now whereas i said the the reveal i think we both said the reveal in episode seven was fine it was good but it wasn't you know it's great it wasn't groundbreaking it almost took a little bit of sheen off what came before but i Which think I- I think eight, I think eight does a good job of kind of clarifying what we got at the end of seven. Like my yeah. complaint of seven, I think this one stands off some of that. It's like no, 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 it's not quite what we said. It, it yes, this was revealed. However, now that you have the full understanding of what was revealed, it's not as it's not as retconny, which was my complaint that it felt like they were retconning part of the season. Um, they still are, but I think to a lesser extent than than the end of seven implied. But um, I did. I liked this episode. I also 
it it still felt very exposition heavy like oh, like yeah. um like it could have been part we could have got some of the exposition throughout the series and instead they just left it all for this big dump on episode eight um which but they do it in interesting ways so it's not like a full complaint it's just like mm, i guess um and it, again uh there was some stuff that i uh, we had talked about off mic about uh how they reveal some information i thought was a little cheesy um especially the, the very one particular and yeah, it's yeah. Even the, way, it's, the way it's delivered too it's very like dot 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 statement and it's like yeah. oh you all right like the gong dun, dun, yeah yeah it's, like, and, uh, it's like leonardo dicaprio in the one uh, once upon a time in hollywood leaning and pointing towards the screen meme type thing yeah yes but i uh you know I don't. I have no real complaints. Of, I think the show's been really good. Have they confirmed season two? Okay, I thought this would just be like a one-off. Is I think it, so. Uh, it feels like a one-off to me. I, th- like, I think it's a long, uh, a non-running. Okay. Well, I don't know. Uh, I they couldn't. Like... That, that's a good point. That's a good point. But it, well, there was a. Again, we're not going to say what it was. There was. A, there was a post-credit scene, which is you know, which, which to a lot of people is the best part of the episode. I don't fully agree, but it was the the, the post-credit scene is big. It is fairly pivotal yeah. now to what could happen. And if it wasn't for that post credit scene, I would be more inclined to say, actually, this could just be like a one-off, one and done. But now with that post credit scene, unless they want to go bigger further with that cinematically, I think they're setting something up for the long run with that. Right. My issue, by the way, with that is uh, I thought Marvel had said at some point they were going to do away with the stingers and they have not done it ah, the entire for though. I know, but that's, you can change, but they hadn't done it the entire season, to my knowledge, unless I've missed a lot of other shots that I didn't realize, because no one else, the only reason I even know this one existed was because it got so much buzz online, and I was like, wait, what now? I didn't see that, and I had to, like, go and, like, pick up where I left off and finish credits, because there's, like, and understandably, I know we should be watching the credits, because all these people are doing so much work, but 10 (laughs) minutes of credits on a 30-minute show is a lot of credits. I'm not going to sit there for 10 Dude. minutes. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, I could fast forward, but no. I have not needed to all season long. So like to on episode eight to throw a, a stinger and not give any kind of warning, I thought was a little like, again, it's not as bad. Cause it's not like I left the theater and had to go back and pay for another ticket to see the 32nd stinger or no. something <laughs> like that. I mean, I have full access to it. So obviously not a real problem. But also, like, then why even do it? Because the reason you put it at the end of the movie is to make us sit through the credits. And I get, yes, you're going to make us sit through the credits, but we could just fast forward here. So you're not really making anybody sit through the credits. You're just making us look for something. Like, just put it at the yeah, end no, of the no. episode. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. That I, I was a little frustrated with that choice, Marvel. Calm down with your stingers. Book has said it now, and I've just had a little looky. It's been apparently. I've just read that Marvel, are, like Falcon and Winter Soldier, they're setting these all up to be limited run series. So there is no definitive answer on a season two. And not- somebody whose name I can't remember said he wouldn't say no to it because it's you know Marvel have a way of doing things that at any point they could just be like, oh yeah. But there's I nothing think, in the works, man. I think the more likely scenario is that this is we all know this is leading into the movies because that's what Feige had said from the get go that these yes. the shows are going to be connected to the films. I think we're more likely to get a deviation where maybe it's not called WandaVision, but maybe it's like um, Vision Witch or, you know what I'm saying? Like, like a variation on a follow up <laughs> after the events of the film. Yeah, because we don't know what the films are going to play out. Because I think that's, he doesn't want to show his hand too much. Saying season two implies that 
whatever is, happens here won't be resolved in the films. And that's like a spoiler. So I think we're going to get, away as well. right. We're going to get a slower kind of reveal of if we're getting seasons or not, because there's not, nothing exists like this, right? There's no other, like the first 22 movies established something that had never been done. This is something even more new where we're getting shows and films that are intertwined. Nothing, nothing's existed. In fact, Marvel resisted that they didn't do it with agents of shield. They didn't do it with any of the Netflix series. Um, so like them doing this now is because he has full control over both. You know, he has absolute power and we're going to see a new level of storytelling. So I think we're going to see a, a very different, um, and I like it. I do too. I'm not opposed to it. Cause again, I am, I, I always get aggravated, um, when people insist on sequels, like I want more. It's like, yeah, but you're supposed to be left mm-hmm. wanting more. That's when, you know, something was good. Um, and what usually happens with sequels is they eventually that we don't want more anymore, right? Like we get tired of the product and even within the MCU, the most reviled films of the MCU are sequels. Iron Man two and Thor, the dark world are generally yes. the two most you know, stated world, and then Hulk. But that technically technically a sequel if you want to be you know it's the second mcu movie so be pedantic i suppose yep. yeah but anyways um i have been uh jumping into some media so as i always like to plug yes Blank you have podcast, um hercules the uh the disney movie they that's what they're on now um i i haven't seen it in a couple of years but i i i came to that film very late i do like hercules i, I think there's some good songs in it as much as James Woods is a controversial figure, I think he's great as Hades in that movie. So it was cool listening to them uh, talk about it. Yeah. Uh, but they also dropped their Patreon episode. Uh, Matt, I got to tell you, man, I- I'm starting to become a, a Star Trek fan. Um, I-, I really like motion picture. Man, it's happening. And Wrath of Khan is is just great. Like I, and I, Wrath of Khan is the only one I'd seen prior to this uh, series. Um, and I already liked Wrath of Khan. Um, but after watching it, uh, I re- decided to, I wasn't going to watch it again. Cause I was like, I've already seen it. I'll just listen to the episode, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and watch it again. Mm-hmm. I liked it more the second time. Um, and I really uh, like motion well, picture okay. shocked me. Cause I had always heard motion picture was bad and I actually thought it was fine. Like I was like, I don't see what everyone hates about it. It's long, but I, I kind of, was interested, like, the vibe. The but so I decided I was going to watch uh, because Hulu has like all Star Trek right now. So I, I went and I watched the episode of the original series that has Khan in it. Right. And um, I had never seen that. And I, I didn't actually realize I knew that uh, Montalban had been in it and I knew that he was Khan. But someone had told me that they weren't connected. And then the blank check was like, no, they're totally connected. I'm like, oh, well, then I want to see this. So I watched it after I finished Khan last night. I watched it then. And. Yeah, uh, that episode is really good, and I kind of think I might start. Star Trek might be my background series. I always like to have a show that I can just throw on. Here he goes. Uh, and I, dude, I don't know, man. I've, I've kind of resisted it. Honestly, Which I one, really, though? I think I'm gonna start with the original. I, I never thought I could get into the original because I felt like it would just be too cheesy and silly. Um, I'm pretty sure the the episode I watched last night was the first episode I've ever seen in its entirety from the original series, and I, I kind of liked it. I was I've never one. seen one, dude. I was I I've always associated the movies with the show. Like I never put together how far apart the episodes of the show and the films were. And man, like seeing Kirk Young is crazy cuz like he doesn't to me when I look at him is not William Shatner, right? Like Shatner from the movies is the Shatner that I think of. And uh and honestly Nimoy and everybody too. Like those I think of the film guys and 
man, seeing the show, I was like, wow, this is way different than I was expecting. But it looks, it looks to me pretty good for a 60s TV show, a 60s sci-fi TV show too. Like just like, yes, you can tell like some of the production is down or whatever, but it's all practical and it's just, it's really cool. Um, So I'm, I'm, I don't know, man, maybe as I've gotten older and I I don't mind uh, the lack of action. um, I don't know, man. I think it's Trekker uh, is the uh, uh, term. You ever seen the movie fanboys? Yeah. Yes, I have. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like that movie quite a bit. It's stupid, but it's super funny. Um, anyways, let's, uh, the movies I've been watching, um, Matt and I were, we're prepping for something. So I've been watching a lot of 85 movies. And so, uh, I caught better off dead, uh, John Cusack film. Um, uh, very dark comedy, but it, it, and it feels very much like an eighties, like B comedy, you know, where it's like, I, I can't believe I didn't see it a million times on like the USA network at like midnight. Cause it totally has that vibe to it. Um, that's got that vibe, <laughs> but I, I, uh, I liked it. Um, as I already mentioned, watch the father really, really good. My reviews up at Burke reviews for that. And then, uh, uh, my partner, uh, over at movie club wanted to see Minari. Um, so we rented that as soon as it became available. Um, $20 rental is one of the f- first $20 rentals that I've, I've, uh, partook in, but, what a movie um it's really oh, wow. good um it, it was uh it, it, between that and the father though and i won't get into wh- how but man getting old is scary is all i'll say uh <laughs> um as i mentioned watch wrath of khan and then uh i i dove into akira kurosawa's ran from 1985 which is his uh it's interesting because on letterbox it says the definitive um uh king lear adaptation but in doing some reading after watching Rand, because I've actually, I, I don't think I've ever, I know I've never read King Lear, but I was so familiar with the premise that I don't know what I know it from. Like if I just through osmosis picked up what it was, or if I had read a synopsis somewhere, or if I saw some like cartoon that did an adaptation of it or something like that, like maybe the Simpsons did one, which wouldn't surprise me or South Park or Animaniacs, even like something somewhere did a King Lear thing that I must've been exposed to. Cause I was very familiar with it. But um, when I was reading, uh, the, Akira Kurosawa claims that um, he had the idea and then while he was writing the script realized it was a parallel to Lear and then did oh. some of the footwork to connect it um, but it, it I don't know that it's fair to call it an adaptation in that way because he definitely has his own kind of take on it but um, I never saw it I would never call it a, a straight adaptation yeah but it's it's very very good as one might expect from Kurosawa um I, I, I have a lot of gaps on my Kurosawa list, but I've seen Seven Samurai and I've seen uh, Rashomon. Um, and I have access to so many of them because there are tons of his movies on HBO Max. And that has kind of become another goal. Um, I have too many goals right now with movie life. <laughs> I'm still trying to work through those lists. <laughs> and I'll keep um, giving him more. And well, you know, my, uh, my bloody awesome for the week is going to reveal a new list that I just established for myself. But um, that said, uh, why did she leave home? Oh, I don't know what my kid just left. And I'm like, uh, what's going on? Um, sorry. Uh, but, um, that's what I've been consuming. Cause I already mentioned the episode of star Trek. So, um, th- I think that leads to the, the finale here folks. And that's the important reveal of our show is how are we saying this bloody awesome? Cause the truth is it's hard work. This isn't something that it just is. comes naturally. You have to put an effort into this. We have to think about, how 
can we say, especially in a time of a pandemic and lockdowns and such, it takes some effort. So Matt, how are you saying bloody awesome? I am staying bloody awesome by withholding information from the media consumption area. Ah. And uh, not by much, there's nothing exciting, but I've been staying by bloody awesome by diving into what I call the comfort flicks. Oh, yeah. Um, because for all the reasons you just mentioned, it's a pandemic, it's it's still crap, it's still tough out there. And uh, so, so that means Encino Man, uh, Encino Man, anything with Paulie Shaw in or Hudson yes. Hawk or anything like that, those yeah. kind of classics. Um, no, just. For that, I, I was speaking to somebody the other day about, and he said, oh, yeah, have you seen any of these new films that have come out? I said, well, not really, because I've kind of been off the new films. I don't know what we do for BAMP. Because you, you, John knows this, and I'm sure our listeners do. Sometimes you go through picks and troughs where you don't always want to watch something new. You want to go back and watch something which you know you're going to love and enjoy, and you get that nice warm feeling, or you could just have on in the background, like Star Trek. And so I, one of them was actually Ghost Stories. But I've been back recently, and I've been watching... I watched Gremlins and I had a and I had a good fun time with that. I watched uh, I watched The Shining again. These are comfort films. I watched La La Land. I watched Dog Soldiers and what was the other film I watched? Dumb and Dumber. I'm looking over there. Dumb and Dumber. So a nice little mix there. But films where I know I can just sit down. I haven't got to scrutinise them. I haven't got to think. Well, I better write notes for mentally make things down for these. Something I can just enjoy or get scared by or appreciate. Um, but then on the flip side, I did watch something like The Father, and whilst it was devastating, I was like, this is great. This is great. But, so, yeah, comfort flicks with me, because sometimes we're all getting to that headspace where you just need to be pulled pulled out of it a little bit, and you don't necessarily want to have the roulette of watching something new, like Tom and Jerry, when I could sit down and watch something like Dumb and Dumber and have an infinitely better time with. So, yeah, man, comfort flicks for me to give myself that warm, fuzzy feeling, but you've almost dropped your clang up just now so what have you been doing to stay bloody awesome so documentary is what i have on our our shared google uh document here and um this this is uh, like a tier story so right now for my visual tech class that's my first year entry level kids um i'm teaching them uh, about documentary and i had them watch uh tables which i think i sent to you a week ago the uh it's a documentary about the ping pong players in new york city at Bryant yeah. park and uh, that's what they started with this week. And then uh, the end of the week, we're going to be starting. Won't you be my neighbor? The Mr. Rogers documentary. And uh, so I'm, I'm really in this like head state of documentaries. And I I've been uh, one of my students had this idea for um, an, an assignment where it was a two sentence movie. Like you have to pitch your movie idea in two sentences, which oh, wow. is, I mean, that's a real thing. The log line or you an have elevator your elevator pitch pitch. type thing. Yeah. But so my students, um, I had them like pitch, if you could make a documentary and I meant like right now, you, like you personally, what's your two sentence pitch for your documentary. And so a lot of them have like pandemic ideas because that's what they're going through. And some of them had like hybrid learning or whatever. And I'm like, so I was just kind of thinking to myself, I'm like, what would I do? Like if I were going to do a documentary for years, I've wanted to try to do a documentary about marching band. I've never been in marching band. I'm not a marching band person, but I've, I've, I just know our marching band puts so much time. And what I've never thought about, because I don't like to put myself into movie project ideas is to do a documentary about the thing that I do teach, which is yearbook. Um, So every single year at most schools, there is a yearbook made, right? I have been in charge of my school's yearbook for eight years now. And, but when I am in charge of it, I am the advisor. I'm the supervisor. My students make it. It is supposed to be student built. I supervise. I make sure they don't put anything inappropriate. I teach them journalistic practices. 
Um, I teach, you know, and I teach them like the technical side of building the yearbook, but it's their creativity, their design. And it's only my staff that makes our books good. Um, if, if the staff doesn't care, the book doesn't look good. And so I did some, I did some digging and there does not appear to be a yearbook documentary that exists. So uh, the other circumstance that I'm running into is my film two class this year, which will then as their seniors will be film three next year is in this weird place. There's only 10 students in the class right now. And three of them are seniors and two of them are temporary where I don't think they're going to be able to be in my class next year. Mm -hmm. So that means I'm only going to have five seniors in film three next year. And that's not enough to justify an entire class period. So uh, what I think is going to happen and it's, it looks like all the wheels are in motion right now, but I think, my five seniors are going to be put into the yearbook class period as like, so the fifth period, for example, will be yearbook and film three at the same time, mm-hmm. but film three will be my film crew. And together we will, as a project for the year, we are going to make a feature length documentary about the process of making a school yearbook. Um, all the drama, all the tension, all the things that go into the production of a yearbook um, in a very specific R story. So, in order to do this, I I need to uh, dive into some more documentaries, right? Because yes. I, I want to make one. So I have made a list on Letterboxd of the best school-based documentaries. And I'm also looking for production documentaries. Documentaries about making something. Because that's mm-hmm. ultimately, yeah, yeah. ours is going to be both of those things. We're going to be, a, it's going to show a classroom school environment. But it's also about making something, like with a, a deadline. Because there, there is a deadline. And mm-hmm. I, I think yeah. the tension that's built there into making it here adds the drama that you want for a really compelling documentary. One of my favorite education documentaries that I have seen, um, I saw at Southwest uh, Southwest two years ago uh, called science fair, which is on Disney plus. So if you have Disney plus, I say, check out science fair. Um, It's really, really compelling, but I've, you know, I've seen some of the big ones, but there's a lot that I've avoided uh, because I just feel like it's going to, it's going to make me mad as a teacher, like waiting for Superman is one that I've, I've heard about for years. And I'm just like, ah, it's going to make me mad, but I'm going to watch it now. <laughs> I'm going to watch the cartel, the lottery, underwater dreams, American teen. So again, this is what I mentioned. I, I I've added yet another no. list of movies to watch. <laughs> um, but this one, um, I mentioned this, I wasn't going to mention it to my, my students yet, but I decided today I was like, you know what? I want to throw this at you. Cause I'm really, I, I started writing the treatment and out and like, I'm trying to go through this, proper i'm going to get i'm going to get them to sign waivers that they're allowed to be i can use their image in this movie because i do want if we're going to put the time and effort i'd like to be able to if we end up with a product we're proud of to to enter in the festival to teach my students how to do all of that too you know um and i i also much like i i'm i'm supposed to be mostly hands off of the yearbook and just advising i do want to take more of a production producer role with this at some point um and i have a few students i think are ambitious enough that once i uh I wasn't sure if they'd be interested because I feel like most of mine are more narrative leaning, but the student that I was expecting to really like latch on latched on immediately. So I, I I'm excited. Um, I want to say bless you, but I, I'm going to say bless you. Bless you. Um, broken through the fourth wall now. <laughs> uh, sorry. I couldn't help it. I was like, I, in my manner say I must. Um, but uh, I'm excited about this opportunity. It's something I've been wanting to do. And just the, the struggle I've had, we've had different band directors every couple of years. Yeah. Um, so like some were, were like, I don't blame them because putting a camera on a situation automatically makes things more stressful. Right. Because yeah. now what if something, what if, what if I, what if the band director curses and suddenly Everything's it's on video like, scrutiny now? Right. So I can understand where they're coming from. 
Um, so I don't have to get my permission to put a camera on myself. Like, mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm just like, why haven't I thought to do this in the past? I don't know. Maybe it is my own apprehension because I am going to be a centerpiece at, at moments. And I don't like to be on camera, although I'm a little more comfortable with it after a year of online teaching when I've been forced to be on a different camera. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, but it's that's, also about something you enjoy as well. It's not it like them, they're making you go on to talk about you know printers or something it, like that. It's something you love. Yeah. And in some ways, I I do want this to be. Um, I don't want it to be a tutorial, but I I have I noticed something a few years ago. Uh, I switched companies uh, who produce our yearbook a couple years back, and they have these uh, summer trainings, which I've I've only got to go to two of the last uh, four years. This was this would have been the fourth year was with them. Obviously, it got canceled this year because of COVID. Um, but uh, we went the very first year we were with them. The second year, we my editor couldn't go, so we didn't go, and then the year before COVID we went and each time it's been really great. But what I learned is that I had just joined this company and they give out uh, little certificates to all the advisors um, for years of service. And so like year one, there's like 20, 30 advisors get their little, their little certificate. And they're like, all right, advisors for year two. And it's like, you know, 15, 10 advisors for year three. It's like four or five. Then it's like, yeah. <laughs> my, uh, it's like year five, me, hey, I, I was it. Yeah. And then there was one other person who had been an advisor longer than me. And what I learned is most yearbook advisors at schools don't have the background. Like I went to school to be a journalist. So like all of the journalistic practices that I, I know make perfect sense as a yearbook advisor. Most other teachers are like, they're an English teacher. So they get dumped in the role or they, you know, they just needed anybody. So they volunteered because they wanted the extra money or whatever. There's not a lot of money in the yearbook just for the record. But, um, but so I, I do kind of want this to be like, uh, this is what it is like kind of thing. So like, if you're thinking about it, maybe this documentary will, is this for you? Cause it's not, it's not for everybody. It, it's for your legacy, prepared. John. And I mean that yeah. as well though, because look, if, 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 if the plan is to maybe one day submit it to a festival, then that also, like, firstly, that gives you the drive, which you've already got, but also the students who work on it, if they know, well, if we really give our A game, Mr. Burke, Mr. Berkenfield may submit this to a festival. It's only good on them as well. And it, it works well for the school to have a, uh, a piece of work curated within the vicinity to be in a festival. Obviously it's going to win because your name's attached to it, but it's good for you as well. Cause I mean, that's something which it's, it's something it's a feather in your cap as well. It's like, look, I'm, I've been a teacher for a long, 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 long time. I've got a lot of academic achievements behind me, but I've also got this, I've also got this feature about, like a, a, a slice of life within the school, uh, the culture, but also, like you say, production, also film. It, it intrinsically ties into what you're doing as well. So it, it's also a calling card slash magnum opus for yourself as well. Obviously, if it all goes well, of course, which I'm yeah, sure yeah. it will do. And I, I have hopes. This could be like the future for how I do my senior class. Like they have a big project like this. So I, I'm excited about it. That's how we've been staying bloody awesome listeners. Uh, we are going to take our leave, but before we do that, we'll announce what we're going to be talking about next week. We're going to be reviewing a sequel that is, what, 30 years in the making? You're, you're close take. to it. Um, coming to America, that is the number two, what creative naming. Uh, it's dropping on Amazon Prime on March 5th, I think worldwide from what we yes, saw. Yes, it is, yep. Um, and unlike this, I care a lot that apparently just split uh, coming to America <laughs> on both. You want um, it, you can have it, whatever. Yeah. I'm going to try to watch, if I can squeeze it in, I don't know. I've got so many movies I want to watch, but I kind of want to rewatch Coming to America. I've seen it within the last couple of years, but I, I I like that movie a lot, so I wouldn't mind 
freshening up before Same watching way. the sequel. But that's what we're going to be talking about next week. In the meantime, we'd love to hear from you. What did you think about what we said? Any recommendations? What are your hopes about the Borderlands movie? Uh, you can follow us on social media. Matt, where are we on Twitter? We're uh, at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And on Instagram, bloody awesome movie pod. And of course, if you're still using Facebook, uh, the old Facebook, you can search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast and follow us there. And of course, individually, you can follow us. I'm at Burke Reviews and at Burke Reviews on all social media. BurkeReviews.com is the website. Matt, where can they find you? They find me whatiwatchtonight.co.uk, all of these socials and letterbox as well. What I watch tonight and you'll see my face. And if you like what we're doing, we ask that you pause, take a moment and rate and review the podcast. It really does help other listeners find us. And we appreciate hearing from you. So thank you in advance. Um, With that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay bloody awesome.